Welcome back. I'm Peter Wood, and I'm the author of Mud Between Your Toes, a Rhodesian farm, which is a memoir about my life growing up in Zimbabwe, or formerly Rhodesia, in the 1960s and 70s. This is a podcast about family, independence, loss, and above all, identity. In 2001, living in the heart of Mashonaland, Mandy and Pat Retzlaff bore the brunt of the Zimbabwe land invasions. Like so many Zimbabwean farmers, they spent the next few years leapfrogging from one farm to another, trying to find a roof over their heads and a home for their pets and their horses. Their neighbors had to move to New Zealand, and the Retzlaffs offered to take on their horses too. Soon the snowballed with farm after farm falling into the hands of the war veterans. This is Mandy's extraordinary story and how they managed to save over 100 horses and get them into neighboring Mozambique. So Mandy Retzlaff, welcome to Conversations with Pete Wood. Hi, Pete. Mandy, I'm going to start as I begin so many of my conversations by asking, where are you right now? So we're in the small seaside town of um, Filinculo, which is about 600 kilometers from the border in Matari, and over a thousand kilometers or more to Nelspruit. So we're actually in the middle of nowhere. You're 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 quite you're quite literally in the middle of Mozambique if you look at the map. I mean, on the coastline. Uh, are you on, on the, the island? Are you on the island or on the mainland? No, we're on mainland. But we do, have, we do have horses on, on the island as well. That's Benguera Island. So, so in that case, can you tell us how you ended up where you are right now? I mean, shall we go back to those dark days of 2001? Yeah, well, you know, as you know, and everybody knows, the land invasion started around about 2000. Um, but we were the first... 45 farms trashed and looted. That's when, you know, gangs of these invaders came in and, uh, you, well, you, you know what they did. They, they, they took everything, looted everything, pillaged everything. Um, and then we, we um, fortunately, we weren't on the farm at the time, but our, our poor neighbours, the Heldenhases, were, and they were barricaded in their house for a long time with their two small um, children. But uh, anyway, they they managed to get out of that situation and of course headed to South Africa and then made a decision to go to New Zealand. Um, but Shah and Pat uh, had a great interest in horses and Shah had a lot of horses. We actually only had six horses on the farm at that time. But um, so Pat took hold, well Pat took Shah's horses and Pat, we moved Pat, to a farm. Pat is your husband of course. Yes, Patrick's my husband. And then we moved to a farm in Chigutu with um, Shah's horses. But as I said, the 45 farms trashed and looted. We were quite a horsey area. A lot of polo and polo cross were played. So a lot of people were um, trying to get out of the country or make plans. And uh, so we took a lot more horses. And our daughter, Kate, uh, she was at um, Loma Gundy, and she was in a very important year. She was doing her O-level. So we were a bit past the sell-by date to start thinking of immigration. 
because we were already, you know, in our 50s then. But, it, but it's incredible. I mean, you were actually evicted, if that's the word you want to use, a total of six times before you finally made the big decision to go to Mozambique. What must have been especially tough was that you were called upon by neighbor after neighbor and friends and strangers to start rescuing their horses along the way. And as far as I know, you ended up with 300 horses. Is that true? Yeah, I think there were I think there were about two fifty in the end. But um, yeah, a lot of those horses, um, you know, people leaving, they chose to put um, horses down, and and other people who couldn't bring themselves to do that, obviously, said let's call the Red Sloths. And uh, you know, Pat is a huge horse lover. He comes from a long line of horse lovers. He, you know, he found it very hard to say no. And uh, a wonderful girl who was uh, working with us, Gadia Chiffin, also absolute horse lover. So between the two of them, I think they rescued every horse they possibly could. And um, I went in panic mode because, you know, we never knew how long we were going to be um, in any place. And of course, you know, the cost. But fortunately, um, Pat had started an agronomy business um, where he was doing integrated pest management. So we, we did have some money coming coming in. Uh, and then we finally ended up in Matari, which was just the most amazing place. And the land invasions hadn't really started um, there. And, and we managed to lease land and we spent two years there until um, they had a huge wave of invasions. And obviously we could no longer sustain the horses and they ended up most of them at Hillcrest School. Um, and that's when we realized we just had to make plans to get these horses across to Mozambique, which was the nearest border, because a lot of people say, why did you choose Mozambique? You could have gone anywhere, but it was cost. And, and um, right. Mozambique was opening up at the time. Uh, there was a lot of interest. Um, you know, MLT were, were looking at, you know, people growing tobacco. And um, and we, with our agronomy background, um, People asked us if we could um, do agronomy on paprika. And, and, and there was a, so much um, interest in Mozambique at that time. So it seemed to be the right decision. So you, you ended up with 250 horses, but eventually you could only take 104 across the border. And at one stage, you were going to sneak them across the border in the middle of the night over one of the most heavily mined borders in Africa, I might add. Um, how did you choose which horses to keep, um, which, you ha which ones you had to, was it down to a character of the horse or their health or, or what was it? Well, uh, what we did, I, I mean, we selected sort of the fittest, um, you know, uh, horses. And then um, what happened was Gadia, um, a, a lot of people, because Harari was sort of unaffected and um, a lot of people, you know, had an interest in horses, sort of polo people, polo cross, that kind of thing that, that were based in Harari. So she managed to offload quite a lot of horses. And I, and I think the rest went to Forrester Estates. Um, and, and we chose the 104 to go across to Mozambique. So they, they thankfully, they were all uh, rehomed, which was um, a wonderful thing because otherwise, I, I guess we would have tried to end up to take all of them across um, and the border. There was, there was certainly, I mean, the vets weren't putting 
animals down in the end because they ran out of the the mooty to put animals down. Was there any stage when you thought to hell with it? Um, or did you know from the get-go that this was kind of like your calling? Well, I think we'd already crossed the line right back, you know, when we, we took those those first horses. And then you become responsible. And, yeah. uh, and, and that... Uh, I think was, you know, how we had to carry carry on. But I mean, there were dark moments. And Mozambique was not easy. I mean, we were very naive coming over into Mozambique, a country that had come through a civil war. Um, and I, I, I think the war vets were a piece of cake. Um, That's right. What we in in Mozambique. I mean, Mozambique had just finished a 20-year civil war, so it was pretty much a failed state, wasn't it? I mean, but logistically, how do you get 104 horses across the border? I mean, how many lorry loads of horses do you bring across? Well, I, I tell you, we thought, uh, it, this is a, a, a story, really, because we, we did um, go up to the mountains. We did a lot of brekkies around there because it seemed the solution to get these horses, you know, just sort of over the, the border. But um, what was happening there, if you remember, there was nothing in the shop. So these enterprising Zimbos were um, going over the mountains and, uh, you know, buying stuff in Manika and whatever. But then the army got wind of this. So the army spent their days up there taking pot shots or bribes from uh, people who were coming across. And uh, we realized that this probably wouldn't be the answer. So then um, we thought about it and the SPCA came into it and they had a lawyer who said that horses come under domestic animals. And although um, Mugabe had banned the export of, you know, uh, agricultural machinery, livestock, whatever, horses didn't actually come into that. They came under domestic animals. So they couldn't produce any paperwork to stop us taking them over the border. So that gave us hope. So that's exactly what we did. I mean, they turned the trucks back many times, mainly for water or, you know, grass samples, agriculture gave us quite a, a lot of problems. But in the end, they couldn't really produce a document, whereas they could if it had been cows or, you know, machinery or whatever. So eventually they just got exasperated and let us go through. It's incredible. I mean, uh, and as you said, Mozambique um, wasn't exactly a walk in the park. So at first you tried your hand at farming, didn't you? What happened then? No, we, well, we didn't farm. Um, a, a company asked us to do the agronomy. Um, on, so they, they needed paprika farmers and, uh, because they'd lost their grower base. So they thought that was a brilliant idea because the tobacco guys were already there. But uh, it turned out to be a hideous mistake for anybody. Um, you know, Mozambique certainly wasn't ready for agricultural agriculture there. And, um, and unfortunately, it turned into a huge disaster. Um, anyway, we survived. <laughs> we, we survived it. Um, but it put us in a, a terrible situation there. And uh, there were some despicable people around at the time. Um, which as, as Zimbabweans, I don't think we, you know, we, we're quite naive when it comes to these kind of people. So uh, anyway, we, we, we survived it. it. It was very dark days. Pat and I had absolutely no money. Um, 
the investors pulled out straight away, obviously, because, you know, the, the um, you know, money was stolen. And, um, but Pat and I, you know, we weathered it. Pat uh, put seven horses in a truck and arrived in Vinculo while I looked after the rest of the horses um, in uh, Chimoyo. Wow. Um, you know, look, I'm, I, I make no... Uh, bones about it. I've never been a very good horseman. I've even got a chapter in my book uh, called The Horsey Bit, which, um, you know, when I went crashing through a tree during a, a paper chase. But, um, but anyone who owns a single horse will know that horses aren't easy. Multiply that by 104. <laughs> I mean, what do you get? You know, were you, were you just a little bit, are you a little bit mad? They, I mean, I think you had a few problems once you got to Mozambique, didn't you? We had a lot of problems. We, you know, we really did. Um, and, and most of these problems only emerged sort of after, you know, the, the businesses collapsed um, in Chimoyo. And literally, um, you know, Pat got these seven horses to Vilanculo to try and start sort of horse riding. Yeah, I was left with um, the other horses. And uh, I mean, the most terrible things uh, happen. You know, they cut horses' tails off or um, Sangoma switches, um, slaughtered horses. Uh, oh, it was just totally incredible. When I look back on it now, it just seems the most awful nightmare that you could imagine. But you must remember it was a country that had been through a, a, a terrible civil war. I mean, a million and a half Mozambicans died in it. Uh, people were fairly uneducated because school systems hadn't happened. I mean, there was a lot of sort of tribalism. And um, yeah, and it was working our way through through those kind of things. Pat and Vilanculo kept on getting malaria, he was so ill. He started the horse safari in 2006. Then in 2007, the cyclone hit and wiped Vilanculo off the map. But, you know, we survived it and um, our horses sort of you know, got us through and, and, and lots of wonderful people who stuck by us and uh, people did amazing things. In Chimoyo, I was landed with these horses, no money, no vet, and a, an amazing woman called Heather Armstrong. Um, I sent out an appeal. Uh, a wonderful lady called Sarah Cox sent out the best vet in the UK who put himself on a plane and came out to Chimoyo and uh, worked on all the horses um it was you know the most incredible wonderful things have happened to us as well i was going to ask you about vets and farriers i mean what do you do in a country that doesn't have a a, a culture of horses and well, and and also um plants plants that you've never seen before yeah, well, in 2010, we lost 30 horses with a plant poison called Cradleria duro, which was actually grown by the Portuguese to fix nitrogen, I guess 40s, 50s, before you could buy bag nitrogen. And it is hugely poisonous to horses. I, I mean, I don't think there are any survivors. Certainly in our case, there were none. And they actually put us in the um, veterinary manuals um, of, of losing so many horses to this plant, but we'd never heard of it. Um, and, uh, it, you know, our horses were dying and, uh, you know, vets came out, they did autopsies. And what happened was that uh, the airline um, in Vinculo wouldn't let us fly samples um, out unless it was a contagious disease. 
And so we had to make sandwiches out of bread and our poor clients would um, take them through the airport. And we had a runner, a wonderful lady called Meryl Knox, who took them off to Honesterport. And then um, months, a month later, uh, a, a vet discovered that it could be a poison and he asked us to go and look for or take samples of 100 plants around the lake areas. And then he picked it up that it was Crotillaria dura and it affects the lungs, a bit like coronavirus actually. It eats away um, the lungs. So we lost 30 of our best horses. They died in our arms because, you know, they were so used to humans and so used to be moving, you know, moved quickly. And, um, you know, they, they become anxious and oh, it, it, it was absolutely awful. And then the problem was trying to bury them all because, you know, in Mozambique, there's lots of restrictions on that kind of thing. So we buried them at night and um, oh, <laughs> anyway, wow. we survived that as well. I don't know how you do it, actually. Um, so the Mozambique horse safari business got going. And of mm. course, you've already mentioned that in itself hasn't been an easy ride, if you'll excuse the pun. But in, in <laughs> sorry, but in, in, in recent, I know, I know. But in recent years, Mozambique has been hit by Cyclone Idai, cholera. And now, of course, you've got the COVID thing. How, how are you coping? Well, I think COVID, out of everything that's happened to Pat and I, COVID obviously is the biggie because, you know, through everything we've been through, we've always had somebody who could ride a horse. And, you know, I mean, we depend entirely on tourism or people riding horses for our income, as as does, you know, most people in, in Filinculo. So it, it's a huge thing. Uh, for us. How are we going to cope with it? I don't know. Um, people are talking about tourists only coming back to Vilanculo in 2021. Now, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody in Vilanculo is going to be able to survive that. Yeah. Um, we've, we've started sponsorships. So um, over the years, we've built up a client base and our wonderful volunteers. So um, we have, you know, received sponsorship for the horses. I, you know, how long you can sustain this situation. I don't really know, Peter. Um, this this really is, is going to be a very tough one for us. Absolutely. So cyclones and COVID aside, you know, tell tell us what, what's life like living in Mozambique. I haven't been to that part of the world since I think about 1972 or something like that. But it is absolutely, as I re remember, it is absolutely beautiful. Well, it is. And Villanculo especially because it's the gateway to the Basaruto archipelago. And um, as you probably remember, you know, there's five beautiful islands. A lot of people used to come down, obviously, from Zimbabwe and Rhodesia in the days. And Paradise Island was very famous as a honeymoon destination. But it really is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Um, you know, client, Pat and I are, are, are not well-traveled, but clients that we have been, you know, all over the world, they tell us that it just takes their breath away. It is absolutely exquisite. Um, but, they, you know, there are problems. Mozambique is a a poor country um, in, in this situation. Now government can hardly support small businesses, so we're pretty much on our own. Um, it has an international airport, which is very, it's been very easy 
um, for us. It has beautiful hotels. It, um, it, it, it is a fabulous destination to, to, to come to. And it's improved so much. I mean, when Pat and I first came, well, you know, certainly Pat in 2006, Villanculo has, um, you know, it has developed a lot, which is, um, you know, a good thing. And, and it seems to be getting better every year. But this is going to set it back, obviously. And, and hopefully Villanculo will recover from this. I don't know, because most people are, are in tourism. Yeah, I mean, no, and the terrible thing about no one, no one knows when this is going to end. I mean, what keeps you going mentally? What gives you comfort in dark times? How do you, how do you stay sane? I drink a glass of Casalcos, yeah. <laughs> good, good move, good move. Um, Mandy, I want to talk about the volunteer program. Can you tell us more about that? And other than the money it brings in, what's in it for you to run a, vo a volunteer program? What does it bring to your lives? Well, the volunteer program really started in Chimuyo. So, um, as I said, you know, um, when the crisis in Chimuyo started, we, we did have some lovely people looking after the horses, but obviously, the, you know, everybody left. And I was left with all these horses, as I said, you know, no vet. And I was in absolute despair, but I had a lovely friend. We lived in these um, derelict mansions in Chimuyo. I lived in one and my friend Amy lived in another. And uh, we used to occasionally, you know, get together and have a glass of wine. And um, she's very wise. So she said to me, you know what, why don't you just put an advert, um, you, you know, out and, and try and get somebody to come and help you? So I said, well, nobody's going to come and work with, you know, no money. And she said, no, well, you'll be surprised. So I did um, on the British Horse Society webpage. I said, would anybody like to come and help me in Mozambique look after 70 horses then and um yeah and the, these two wonderful people um wrote to me uh, christine harling and donna walker and that was the start of the the volunteer um program and it's been very good i mean I, we don't make much money out of it i mean they have to pay for their board and food obviously but what they bring is uh, you know we meet people from all over the world uh, of all ages um i think our oldest volunteer was about 79 um you know lovely lovely people and um and i i think word and mouth you know they probably are our biggest advertisers they go out there and say you know Fulinkula was was fabulous yeah and, you know um, it's a small world i i was saying earlier to you i live here in hong kong and in the uh, the the company i work with afp well i'm retired now but um uh, this lady called Liz has done, uh, did I think she did two or three months with you last year. So what a small yeah. world is that? I know. So Liz arrived, and as you probably know, she's well into yoga. So she got us all doing yoga. We absolutely loved it. She was great. And she's been really great now. Um, you know, she's trying to um, get us more sponsorship. I think she's written a few articles and um, lovely, lovely Liz. Um, Pat and I were very fond of her and I'm trying to keep my yoga up, but you know, without her discipline, I've, <laughs> I'm lagging. <laughs> Mandy, that's the same with all of us. You know, you, you don't want to see what I'm dressed in right now. Um, <laughs> do, Mozambique horse safaris, do you have any regrets? 
No. No, I, I, I don't actually have any um, regrets I, because I don't think we could have done anything, anything better under the circumstances. You know, there weren't many choices. So That's we right. flew by the seat of our, our pants. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know, Peter, if we could have done it any better. I think it was just crisis after crisis, you know, starting with those land invasions. And, um, and unfortunately, what happened in Mozambique in the beginning was just, you know, a country that had just come out of civil war and desperate people, desperate times. And, mm. yeah, um, you- it's a much better place now. Uh, do you do you plan to retire in Mozambique? <laughs> am, I I pushing you, am I pushing you on the spot there? <laughs> no, I think we have to carry on working if we can. Yeah. I think those retirement plans went out the window in Zimbabwe, didn't they? Right. Because we're all, sort of, we're all so financially strapped. Yeah, well, Mandy, you've written a very well-received book called 104 Horses, which can be purchased on Amazon um, and all good bookstores. Um, Do you plan to write another book? I don't think so. What about Um, a movie? I can imagine Robert Redford uh, doing something. Well, I think my editor was hoping that it would you know, be taken up as a movie because the actual the books that he was covering, you know, with mine, and I think four of those did become movies. So I think they were a little disappointed with me. But um, I always laugh because, um, you, you know, I was with a big publishing house, HarperCollins. They took the, the you know, the, the book over and, um, you know, I got a lot of help. Um, and amazing help with that book and and promotion. But I do remember, Peter, my first review because you know everybody said, "Oh, you know, you, you, Amazon is everything. You you you've got to read the reviews." So um, we had no Wi-Fi at that stage, so I relied on my friends to tell me sort of you know what reviews were coming in. But there was a deadly silence. And then one day I got onto Amazon, and there was this review. It said. This is the worst book I've ever read in my life. Written by, written by a drama queen, married to an improbable dreamer, and they brought most of these problems on themselves. And I just thought that was the best review anybody could write because that's what it must look like to so many people. That is absolutely fantastic. My God. God, people are so mean, you know. And People I mean, are. Me. The very first uh, commission I got from Amazon, they sent me a check for zero, 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 which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the postage cost 20 cents, for God's sake. Um, oh Mandy, if people are interested in volunteering or donating or simply coming out on the safari, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you can be reached on mozambiquehorsesafari.com and horsevolunteer.com. Um, yeah. yeah, can you tell us what, what different kinds of accommodation is available for people? You know, do you have, uh, do you cater for backpackers as well as um, Bill Gates or, or how does it work? <laughs> no, only for Bill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> our, our, um, our safari guests stay at Sonia's Lodge, which is really beautiful, and I think their pictures on um, the the web page. 
and it's it, it's a beautiful lodge. It really is overlooking the bay, very spacious. And our um, volunteers, they stay in volunteer um, accommodation, not as nice as Sonia's, obviously, but very comfortable, and most of them are very happy um, where they where they stay. And um, and do you do, and, you do you have to be a good rider to come uh, on your horse safari? Well, you, you know, if you're going to pay money to come on a horse safari, obviously it's good that you are a capable rider because, you know, obviously some of the rides are four or five hours. But saying that, you know, we've often have um, wives who are good riders and the husbands not so much and then uh, you know, the husbands do join in. So, I mean, we do cater for non-riders, but I think if you really want to enjoy your safari, you, you, you must be pretty capable. But but as I say, we have we have taken lots of non-riders and, and lots who've said they were riders, but, you know, weren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you've got sand to fall down on. Well, you probably end up falling straight onto a bit of coral or something. Um, no, no, no. Lovely sand, Peter. Lovely soft sand. But we don't have many people fall off. We take great care of you. And we have beautiful horses. They're very sweet. Okay. Okay. And given... Okay. So one final question before I let you go back to your horses. Um, it's probably impossible to answer this question. But given the luxury of hindsight, would you do it all again? Would I do it all again? Now, that is a difficult question. I think Pat would say yes, he would do it all again. But I did have moments really um, where it, it, it was very difficult. Um, but I guess, yes, I'd do it all again, just for the horses, though. And, and just to uh, reiterate as well, you know, if people want to come out to you, they'll get all the information on the website. Um, it's best to fly from South Africa, isn't it? Are there other flights coming in from other parts of the world? Yeah, well, Maputo, I know Portugal uh, flies directly to Maputo. I think uh, Ethiopian Airlines fly to Maputo. Of course, now, I, you know, there's obviously no flights, but usually the Villanculo Joburg flight is the most popular to get here on, on Airlink. It's an hour and a, and a half. And we and the airport's only ten minutes away, so you know they don't have a long journey to get to Sonia's lodge. Ah, uh, Mandy, look, you know this is such an inspiring story, and I really hope my few listeners might be able to generate a little bit of business or donations or volunteer work for you. Um, I wish you all the best in the world. I would love to come out to that part of the world again. It's been such a long time. Um, you know, so who knows, even with my terrible riding skills, you might end up having me knocking on your door someday. Well, I hope so, Peter. And as I said, I'm dying to finish your book. I have read um, half of it and, and um, I'm very honoured that you wanted to talk to me. Well, it's such an incredible story. I think it needs to be shared. So, Mandy, um, I'm going to end off now. We're, our, our time is up, but thank you so much for joining me on Conversations with Pete Wood. Well, thank you, Peter. Thank you so much, and, and thanks for thinking of oh, me. It means before, a lot. And before we go, just to let you know that I found out that my cousin, Lindy 
Hensman, who is uh, her podcast is going out next Wednesday. Um, was your next door neighbor? Yeah, she was. Um, after we were kicked off um, the farm, we moved to Palmerston Estates, which was just, um, we were next door neighbors to Lindy, the most wonderful, wonderful girl. And we did the most amazing things. Um, one of the most wonderful things I remember all my life was um, she took us swimming with the elephants down the Hanyani. It was the most spectacular, amazing. And Lindy, well, she's just marvellous. She really is. So I'll definitely be listening to her podcast. And if you talk to her, just send her all my love. And I'm reliably informed that um, you just keep on smiling. So keep on doing that, Mandy. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> me. And you too, Peter. Thanks all so right. much. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was the indomitable, inspiring and incredibly upbeat Mandy Retzlaff speaking to me from the coast of Mozambique. Well, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening to me. And remember, you can tune into my new episodes of Mud Between Your Toes via iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Blueberry and Pocket Casts. Don't forget, you can always buy a copy of my book on both Amazon and Kindle. And I also welcome comments by email on mudbetweenyourtoes at gmail.com. If you want to get involved and you have a good story to tell about those years in Rhodesia, and if you're brave enough to be interviewed for Mud Between Your Toes, feel free to write to me. Goodbye. <laughs>